1: Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Segers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this very troubling question. Why does abuse happen in the church? And we will also talk about how we can find hope. This is a, a really tough topic. Moms and dads, probably the toughest topic that I have covered yet. Abuse in the church is hard to understand ourselves, much less to explain to our kids, but we need to have these conversations. From the beginning of this show, we've either talked about topics that can build our kids' faith or tear it down. This is most certainly one of those dangerous topics that can tear their faith down as they get older, causing them to leave the church and the Christian faith altogether. Why does this happen? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but I'd like to look at an underlying root cause and then point us towards what we want and need to offer our kids. That is hope. And healing. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started.
0: Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best selling author Katie Clemens. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi,
1: everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to tell you about an incredible family resource that I am sure will bless you and your kiddos. It has certainly blessed me. Growing Home Together with Rob and Joanna Teigen is a podcast you should definitely check out. I was listening to episode 51, I think it was, the other day, which was on discovering our kids' giftedness. It was awesome. Awesome. There were so many great insights on how to discover who God created your kids to be. Oh, oh, and I loved episode 49 on how to stay in control when you feel angry at your kids. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I checked that one out for my husband, obviously not for me. <clears throat> okay, so maybe we could both use that one and maybe you could too. Yeah, yeah. You can find Growing Home Together by searching for it in your favorite podcast app or on LifeAudio.com. Now on to today's topic, uh, but let me acknowledge first that I said I was going to talk about church wounds in this episode. I decided to push that back one episode because today's topic is a good and and perhaps necessary preface. Abuse in the church certainly leads to church wounds, so we will get to that episode next. So a few weeks ago, my editor at I Believe asked for a response to the announcement that the Department of Justice is investigating the Southern Baptist Convention for a pattern of abuse that spans over two decades. That may be shocking news for some of you if you are not in the Southern Baptist denomination, which I am not, but I have followed this story for quite some time, actually. So um let me just say, I have no desire to dig into the business of a denomination that I am not a part of. But, I, you know, I, I know there are a lot of great Southern Baptist churches out there. While I am not Baptist, um, I, I happen to go to an incredible women's Bible study at a Baptist church. And, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for this denomination and I'm not trying to tear it down, but this is a very serious issue that affects the church as a whole and it certainly affects us as Christians and and our families and our children. The fact that this issue has not been addressed properly inside the church has led to a reckoning outside the church. and we as as parents are are trying to raise future Christian leaders, understanding why abuse happens. In the church, the very place we go to find healing and, and restoration is more than a, a curiosity. It's more than a, a head scratcher. For those of us who have not been abused in this way in the church, it is disorienting and, and confusing. For those who have been abused in the church, it is devastating. The wounds can be all consuming. And for all of us, especially our kids, it can shake our faith to the core and our trust in the church. So in response to that request from uh, my editor, I wrote an article about the news of this investigation by the DOJ that was published at both, I believe, and Crosswalk. And I want to share it with you today. Look, I I know this, (laughs) this isn't a fun topic. And honestly, you know, it, it just doesn't get any heavier, But our kids will have some questions about this. I had some long discussions with my older children about it. I don't want them to lose faith in God or in his church. I want them to understand why this happens and where we can find hope. So I'm going to share that article with you in this episode. But before I do, uh, let me say that um, I got a couple of very disturbing responses from readers on this article. And one man said, he said, look, the more you continue to write about the SBC scandal, the more negative dark light you draw to Baptist and Protestant churches. And that's not something the Lord wants you to continue doing first of all, just to be clear, this was the second time I've ever written about this issue. I mentioned it briefly in a previous article on a related topic, but abuse in the church is not a topic I've written or podcasted on much at all. I've never podcasted on it, actually. And my response to this man, who I believe represents a large faction in the church, is significant, I think. I told him, I said, look, (laughs) You are protecting the wrong thing. You are protecting the institution, not the vulnerable people in the institution. And that is ironically exactly what the SBC did. They protected the institution, not the women and the children in the institution. The idea that we must not bring these egregious sins to light for fear that the church will be damaged is it is the problem only when the sin is brought to light will purification and healing come as Christians. We must protect vulnerable people, not these mighty institutions. When we protect the institution for fear of our reputation, we are not On God's side. One thing that I find most encouraging throughout all of scripture is that God is not concerned about his reputation. He is willing to tear down our man-made institutions in order to expose injustice. His primary concern is healing those who have been wounded, especially those in the church, knowing where the heart of God is, helps us to keep the faith when some use our faith in predatory and abusive ways. And we must remember that when sin is exposed like this, God himself is purifying his church. As hard as that is, it is a good and necessary thing because God cannot use a church with this kind of sin lurking underneath the surface. Now, with that in mind, this is my article titled Abuse in the SBC, Why it Happened and Where We Find Hope. As a fierce advocate of women and children, I have followed the sexual abuse scandal in the Southern Baptist Convention for years. In fact, one of my very first articles investigated John MacArthur, a Reformed Baptist, who told Beth Moore, a Southern Baptist, to go home after speaking at her church on Mother's Day. Moore, who was a three decade member of the SBC until 2021, had been a a very squeaky wheel in that organization, frequently forwarding the taboo topic of abuse in forums that preferred her silence. Hmm. Indeed, go home has been the desire of many in the SBC as well when it comes to such Secrets. But on August 14th, those secrets came out of the house. A report by an independent third party has brought the abuse to greater light, and the findings were shocking. Quote Survivors and others who reported abuse were ignored, disbelieved, are met with the constant refrain that the SBC could take no action, even if it meant that convicted molesters continued in ministry with no notice or warning to their current church or congregation, end quote. The report discovered.
0: Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by bestselling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day, with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or, what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold.
1: This this conclusion is mind boggling, especially considering that the recent report was in response to an explosive six part series by the Houston Chronicle published in 2019. I wrote in a previous article that this investigation uncovered an abuse of faith that spans 20 years involved three hundred and eighty male church leaders and volunteers, and affected 700 victims in the Southern Baptist denomination. There were 220 convictions or plea deals made. This bombshell of a story has rocked the denomination to its core. With such a large pool of abused women in a single corner of Christianity, the problem is systemic. Without question, the system failed to protect women and children in the SBC. Still, many refused to give the results of the original investigation by the Houston Chronicle the weight it deserved. It took this independent third party to bring the proper perspective. And now the Department of Justice is getting involved. Russell Moore, the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, said, quote, this is huge. There were many who told us we were wrong to say that sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention is a crisis. This report reveals that crisis is is too small of a word. This is an apocalypse and an unveiling, a meltdown, end quote. Russell Moore resigned that position and like Beth Moore, left the SBC in 2021. Many hearts are grieved by this unveiling. My heart Certainly is. I'm sure the hearts of many Southern Baptists are as well. So many women and children have been silenced and ignored. I cannot help but think that a, a denomination which denies women a voice, a seat at the table can be ripe for such an outcome. Scripture is insistent on the protection of the vulnerable. Some of Christ's strongest words were reserved for those who failed to heed this call. Jesus said to his disciples, quote, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a, a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. That's John chapter 17 Verses 1 through 2. Nothing can cause a believer to stumble more than abuse from someone in spiritual authority. Woe to those who abuse such authority. But why? Why does this keep happening? Yet another blight on the church leaves so many questions. Recently, I I spoke with a friend who pastors in a new church in Virginia Beach about the string of scandals rocking the evangelical world. There are so many. Ravi Zachariah International Ministries, Hillsong, Christianity Today, Willow Creek, Mars Hill and and Grace Community Church have all shown that where there is concentrated power, especially without transparency and accountability, there is a grave propensity for abuse. The perpetrators are protected and the victims are hung out to dry. This type of abuse isn't a new development in human nature. History is littered with egregious examples of abuse from governments and and dictatorial leaders. But tragically, we also see this propensity in the church. This reality is a sucker punch to the gut The very place we go to escape the harsh realities of the world, the place that ought to be a haven, a a place of healing, can become a hurt locker. My pastor friend and I wondered if a large organization, Christian or otherwise, could ever operate without abusing the power that accompanies the positions at the top. Our man-made institutions seemed doomed to fail. Even the religious ones. So what exactly does the Bible say about power? I I think that this is the key to understanding abuse in the church or anywhere for that matter. Indeed, the epic story of Babel's tower in the Old Testament is one that warns against concentrated Power, with memory of a worldwide flood fresh on their minds, this ancient people set about to build a tower reaching to the sky. It was the first skyscraper, and this man-made life raft would certainly guard against future calamity, but God discerned a sinister outcome when man erects institutions. To save himself, he said, quote, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then there is nothing they plan to do that will be impossible for them. End quote. Genesis 11, verse six. So God confused their language because he knew that concentrated power was dangerous for the people of Babel. It is still dangerous today. It is dangerous in governments and in corporations. It is dangerous in political parties and universities, and it is dangerous in the church. When our leaders get it wrong, we can be comforted by the fact that our holy book gets it right. God's central concern for justice is seen throughout the Bible. At the same time, when Homer was writing about heroes who fought over spoils of war or war prizes, who happened to be women, God had a lot to say about the mistreatment of the vulnerable. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. That's Psalm 82, verse three. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. And please, the widow's cause. That's Isaiah chapter one, verse 17. The very first justice warriors, the original human rights activists were the Old Testament prophets. They talked about justice constantly because God is intensely concerned about justice. So was Jesus. The concern over abuse of power is seen in both testaments. But power that hurts those who are vulnerable and those who are seeking God was one of Christ's greatest concerns. What exactly did Jesus say to those with religious power? (laughs) Well, his harshest words weren't reserved for the Romans who ruthlessly ruled the New Testament world, crucifying those who got out of line, those who threatened their power. No, no. Mm -mm. Those austere words were rightfully given to the Pharisees and those who taught the law, who Christ called a brood of vipers to these abusive religious leaders. Jesus said, quote, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs who look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean in the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness end quote that's matthew chapter 23 verses 27 through 28 Christ's words here provide the foundation for the prolific conclusion of Lord Acton. Uh, you've probably heard this this epic quote. He famously said, power tends to corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. The type of power doesn't seem to matter. As Christians, we would like to think that those who wield power within our hallowed and holy halls... We'll do so justly, but Jesus told us otherwise, and we must never forget. Christ was crucified by the religious leaders of his day. We can rest assured that our savior understands the abuse of power. He knows this type of suffering firsthand. So where, where in all of this does our hope lie? Where can we turn to find hope in the midst of yet another abuse scandal in the church? Well, to be completely honest, my faith in the Department of Justice is on par with the SBC. You know, recent scandals in that organization have rocked the faith of many Americans. Charging this institution to lead an investigation on abuse feels a little like the fox guarding the henhouse. Nevertheless, it is good that the abuse is being investigated. It is. But ultimately, our hope does not lie in man's justice. I'm reminded of a popular phrase that coincidentally I first heard in a Beth Moore Bible study. Others have said it as well. The sentiment is comforting in such times. That is, justice delayed is not justice denied. Sometimes Justice is a long time coming in this world. Sometimes it eludes us all together. The one thing that Christianity promises us is that justice will come. It will. If not in this world, it will come in the next Second Corinthians five, verse 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Atheism doesn't offer us this, this solace, this ultimate justice. Neither does Hinduism, unless returning to the earth as an insect is a sufficient punishment for such a crime. Buddhism doesn't even believe in an external force of evil and, and no other faith offers us a remedy, the, the hope of grace and, and restoration and redemption here on earth. No other faith offers us deliverance from our sins and healing from the wounds that they cause. We can trust that God's justice will prevail when man's justice fails. And while we wait, we can pray for the victims to heal and receive the justice they deserve. Please join me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you care. About justice. You care about the harm inflicted on these precious women and children. Bring justice to each and every person harmed by abuse in the church that bears your name. Purify our places of worship. Heal those who are hurting. Comfort and renew and restore and resurrect them. Expose the perpetrators and cleanse your house in Jesus' name. Destroy our man-made institutions and build a church that looks like you. Well, that was the end of the article. For your kiddos, especially the younger ones, but the older ones as well, you can tell them that the church of Jesus' day was pretty messed up too. Mm -hmm. So messed up that they killed the king they had been waiting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for. So we shouldn't be so surprised when our churches and our church leaders mess up. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, this doesn't phase Jesus. He is more concerned about those who are hurting than the reputation of the church. And we should be too. Next time, we are going to continue our conversation on why the church can be such a place of wounding. We're going to investigate what the devil is really after when he gets us or our kids to forsake the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't want to miss this one because the very purpose we were created for is involved. And a little heads up, I need to drop back to bi-weekly for the next couple of months at least. Uh, I'm taking some road trips with my daughter, my oldest, to figure out where she needs to go to school. And all the college preview weekends are on weekends, naturally. That's why they call them preview weekends. So, um you know, I'm going to have a cool podcast (laughs) coming out of this probably in the future about how to help pick a uh, college for your kids. But until then, uh, that's tying up my time on the weekends when I usually do the podcast. So I need to stretch this out a little bit, give myself a little more time just to let you know uh, how the schedule is going to be going this fall. It's going to be a little different. So be sure to subscribe at KatherineSegers.com and I will be sure to let you know of each and every new podcast that comes out thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, and be sure to check out my website, which is KatherineSegers.com. That's Katherine with the C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time.
0: Christian Parent, Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
1: Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone.